Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm usually on YouTube. I'm not going to put this one up on YouTube just because I kind of I messed around with it. And uh, long and short of it, it's not going to be up there. But for the most part, yeah, things are going to be up there. Just search DeHuff Uncensored and then hit subscribe. Today's podcast is presented to you by Superbook Sports. Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, as well as Blake Street Tavern. So last episode, I kind of veered off at the end when I was talking about my days in news. And yes, I was part of the sports media for a long time, 18 plus years. But part of that 18 plus years, when I first started, when I was trying to get out of the restaurant industry, there was a time where I was it's weird when you go back and you look at your your beginning stages of a career. And I look back at my beginning stages. There was a, there was a couple beginning stages, I guess you could say. When I got into uh, the media side of things, I was going to school at what is now called the Colorado uh, Media School. Is that what it is? I don't know. Whatever. It's a Colorado Media School. I was going to that. It used to be called Ohio Center for Broadcasting, Colorado campus, which I don't even know why I chose to go to that school when it had such a shitty name, but it, it got me where I'm at. So I was going to school. I was also interning up at K99 and Try 102 up in Windsor. Amazing people up there. Top to bottom, great group of people. And I loved working with them. But then I was also working in restaurants. I was working at Subway. For part of the time. So I was so think about that. That's ridiculous. So when I'm going to school, I was going to school, internship, which sometimes I was putting in close to 40 hours a week as an intern, because you just try to do as much as you can. And if there's any sort of opportunity, guys, if you're if you're trying to get into media, you got to know this. You're going to grind the fuck out. It's insane. But you you do as much as you can. Any sort of opportunities, you jump on it because you don't know if those opportunities are going to exist again. So it's one of those things where if you don't take it, somebody else is going to take the opportunity. And guess what? And this is reality of, of any sort of business. If you decline something, hey, so-and-so, here's an opportunity. I need. I, I would really love for you to help out on this project, whatever it may be. And if you say, you know what, I just can't do it, I apologize, maybe the next one, they're like, oh, okay, guess what? They move on to the next person, and you fall to the very bottom of that list of people that we wanted to interact with. Listen, they're, they're never available. Whether Even if it's just one time, you have this stench on you of you're not reliable and we're not going to, you know, use you for anything. So you got to understand that when you're getting, when you're new into a business, that anytime that you have an opportunity to do something, you got to do it. Because guess what? Somebody else is going to want to do it. So you got to do it. So you bust your butt, especially in a media where they're going to use you and abuse you. So I look back at it as doing, I was going to school. I was uh, doing uh, internship like I said, up up in Windsor, which is northern Colorado. Everybody's just so chill up there, and I love everybody up in northern Colorado. And then I was also working at Subway, and then I got up. Yeah, that, that's what I was doing. So I was doing those three things, which is crazy and insane. 
I don't know how I was competent and I don't know how I interacted with my, my now wife. It, it's insane. And I, I look at that and just go, I, I, I don't understand it. Then I, I graduate, trying to remember the timeline on this. I graduate, I get married to my wife in March, and I had just started at the fan doing weekend overnights, working midnight to 6 a.m., and any miscellaneous shifts that I could fill in on, whatever they might be. And trust me, like I said, you jump on anything. Because J.J. Polini, one of my really good friends, especially in the media, he's the one guy that really put his arm around me and helped guide me to the media because he was one of my teachers at the school. And I ended up working with him over at the time, Lincoln Financial. Now it's Bonneville. And he's still over there kicking butt and taking names. Great guy. But he always told me, he's like, you got to do anything you can to stay in the media and to be relevant. So that's what I tried to do. I just tried to do anything and everything. I helped the guys over at KS1075, whatever the fuck they needed. Sure, you need me to go get you munchies? I'll get you munchies. (laughs) One of these days, I need to talk to one of the former producers, Jay Wiggins, uh, a really good guy. He runs I'm From Denver on Facebook. Also, I'm from Denver.com. Good dude. I'd love, I, you know what? That just popped in my head. I'll have to sit down and talk with him, maybe do an interview with him because he's a brilliant dude. Brilliant dude. And he's, he's funny. And I have some good stories about him in the old morning show that I don't know if I can share, but I'm going to try. Okay. I will. I won't do that without talking to him first. But once, once I started working at the fan, I was still doing these things where I'm like, I still need to, to work and make money. And when I started at the fan, I was making minimum wage, which at the time was, I want to say like 576. Then it bumped up to like seven bucks and I was making minimum wage. So that's not something you can live off of. So I would also work in the restaurants, whether it was Subway then I quit Subway because it was disgusting. <laughs> and then I worked at Chipotle, which was very clean. And listen, I, 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 Chipotle has always been good. I can't say anything really negative about Chipotle unless you want to get E. coli, which how the fuck do they always get E. coli running through Chipotle? It's so fucking bizarre. But anyway, Chipotle was always good. Very clean. Very good people for the most part that worked there. And the best employees I could ever imagine worked at Chipotle. I love them top to bottom, all good, all great people. But I look at that where I was working midnight to 6 a.m. on the weekends. I would also do Avalanche and Nuggets games, running the, the network board for them because at the time the fan was the home of the Avalanche and Nuggets. And so I would do shifts like that. But then I would also work between when I first started at the fan, I was working at Subway, like I said, and then um, and, and then Chipotle. Uh, the reason why I left Subway also, one, it was d- a disgusting place, especially the last place I worked at. They also didn't like me because I voiced my opinion about things that were wrong. And they <laughs> is that really surprising, guys? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I, 
can't keep my mouth shut on some things. And it, it just bugs me. And I expect like a rest, which is funny because there's times where I cut corners around the house. <laughs> the irony of me. And trust me, my wife will point it out and be like, you used to work at a restaurant? Really? <laughs> really? Bullshit. She's like, this is disgusting. Learn to clean. I'm not really joking, but I am. But anyway, uh, I left there because they they didn't like me, and they kept scheduling me against my. I said I told them when I started working at the fan, I was like, the fan is my priority. We agreed that you'll work around my my fan schedule. This is what I went to school for was media, and that's what I want to do. And they kept scheduling me when they had it right in front of them that I was working already at the fan. And and it just got to the point where I was like at the fan and they'd call me and they're like, why aren't you here? You're screwing everybody over. Like, you guys have the schedule in front of me. Sorry. Then it got to the point where I would be at Subway and say Tim Spence, my old program director who hired me in, in radio, would call me and say, hey, Scott, can you, can you cover a shift you know, could you be here in like an hour and, and work for whatever? I'm like, yep, because I was mad at Subway. I was just like, screw you guys. You guys are going to be a dick to me. I'll be a dick to you. So I would just up and leave and just be like, sorry. So that's how we ended our relationship at Subway. So anyway, Subway doesn't like me. <laughs> so but then I moved on to, to Chipotle and I still look back on that, even though when I was working at Chipotle in the fan it was still, I was stretched very thin. And there was times where when my wife and I first got married, we stayed with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, Tim, uh, my wife's stepdad. We stayed at their house for a couple months until we bought our, my wife and I bought our own home. And I remember just, there was days where I was a zombie and I, I just, there was like months that I just don't remember because... I was just exhausted, mentally exhausted. I was, but that's kind of what happens when you start a career is you just have to dive headfirst into it and do whatever you got to do in order to cement yourself in it. Because there's always going to be somebody there that's going to want, want something more than you. That's what you have to look at it as. Be like, if I don't do this, somebody else will. And there goes my opportunities. So that's just kind of media and any industry in a nutshell is you have to assume that there's somebody else out there that wants it more than you. So you got to make sure that you present yourself as this hard worker that's that's always going to be there. So you got to understand what are your priorities. So like when I worked at Subway, they kind in a sense they helped me because they were being dicks and, and were mad at me for pointing they, that, that was the same restaurant, by the way, that had a fake camera, a fake security camera. When some guy came in there and was threatening to kick my ass, I was under the fake security camera thinking it was real and be like, dude, do you really want to you know, test fate? Because your face is all over this camera. To come to find out, it was fake. <laughs> and that guy could have killed me and got away with murder. All joking aside, he could have. But that being said, it's just like they pushed me in the right direction because they didn't want me there. And it made me realize, shit, I do need to make sure that I put 
what I need to be front and center, I need to make sure I put that in the right spot because working at the fan was what I wanted to do and working at Subway, that's not what I wanted to do. And I needed to officially make that choice, even though I should have made that choice prior. It just didn't sink in till, till Subway was being a bunch of dickheads about it. So those are things that you need to do. And, and I, I, I know a lot of you already know this stuff. And a lot of you have made those right decisions in, in life. But there's a lot of people that don't. And there's a lot of times we all fall out of that. And we realize we're like, shit, what am I doing? You, you forget that what's important. And, and, and there's times we do that in relationships. There's times where you get like me, I tend to get in these fogs. And, and part of it is like a history of depression. And there's a history of just uh, anxiety and, and all these other things. And God knows what I did to my brain by by not sleeping enough throughout my life, especially in my adult life. And who knows? I probably have, I need to get a brain scan. You know, you can get brain scans and they can do a map of your brain and tell you that if, if you suffer from ADHD, depression, if you've ever had a concussion, how severe it was and all this other shit. Now, that being said, it's, it's somewhat expensive, but you can do that and the information that they can gather out of it is, is mind-blowing, pun intended. <laughs> anyway, but I want to do that because I would be real. I need to talk to my guy, Isaac. Maybe I need to have Isaac on this podcast, too, to, to get his thoughts on it and how, how that can help people. And a lot of the other cool things that Isaac does. I'll, I'll have to talk to him. See, I see him tomorrow. I talk to him, and uh, he's just a, a brilliant, brilliant guy that has a lot going on, and he's just a cool dude. So I'll have to talk to him tomorrow and see if maybe I can convince him, con him into coming on the podcast. But anyway, so you sit there and you talk about life and what's important in, in the journeys we make. And I was telling you, like the last episode, I was talking about all, all the stuff I did in the news media, the news side of things. And news is phenomenal. So yeah, obviously I did whatever I could to to get into media and stay into media and stay relevant. I remember there was an opportunity. I was just like, how am I going to get out of the restaurant industry? So I was like, fuck, what else could I do other than work in a restaurant? Because restaurant was easy. I didn't necessarily like it because there's a lot of assholes. I've told you that before. All the, the either, either just people looking for free food or or just racist dicks coming in and being rude to my my employees and then me kicking them out for being racist. Oh, I'll never forget that fucking dad and his son. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want a burrito. Be like, you fucking dick. We're going to make this burrito and you get the fuck out of here, you and your racist cunt son. I didn't say cunt. <laughs> okay? But I wanted to. I didn't use that word at that time. I wish I would have. Wish I would have known the power of the C word. You drop cunt on somebody and they just, their ears perk up and they're like, oh, this is serious. This conversation got really extreme, really fast. <laughs> it does get really extreme, really fast. So it, it is interesting when I go back and, and, and I don't do it that often and I think I need to. And it is a good way for me to remember of making sure things are, in priority of like, how did I get through everything when I first started in this? I did anything and everything I could 
to stay relevant, but I also had to have people every now and then pushing me in the right direction. If, if it wasn't for my wife, I would never would have survived being in media. And I still wouldn't be in media if it wasn't for my wife. You listen to this podcast all the time. It's, it's what you do, right? You probably listen to this numerous times a day, same episode all the time. And why wouldn't you, right? But that's possible because I have a very supportive wife who does get frustra frustrated with me because I forget shit all the time. But she's very supportive and she's super smart and she keeps me on track making sure she kicks me in the right direction. It's not necessarily a push. It's a kick right in the ass and pushes me in the right direction because I do have those moments where I get clouded and I forget and I, I don't really prioritize what I need to prioritize. And I'm kind of spinning a little bit on this, but when I get into the my news history, it does kind of make sense why you have to have somebody really supportive with you or it helps. It's not necessarily completely necessary. I'm going to get into my news history, not not my sports history, but my news history coming up here in a second. There's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of people I've met. There's a lot of good people I've met. But there's a lot of bad people I've met. And I don't know if I just said that already because I was I was looking at something. Listen, I never said I was smart. Never have. <laughs> never have. Hey, but one thing I know is summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they're going to match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. So place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. This is Chris Fusley, owner of the Blake Street Tavern. Consider this your personal invitation to experience Denver's best baseball bar in the corner of Park and Blake. We're a block from Coors Field. What, you thought we were a soccer bar? It's the Blake Street Tavern, where Denver watches sports. So yeah, we're talking about me getting into the news and I was wanting to know, how do I get out of the restaurant industry? And then finally, something popped up where I was, I was working at the fan, and we used to do traffic reports on the fan as far as there was a button that I would call the, the to get a traffic report on. There is a, a wonderful man named Scott Boylan who recently passed away, and he was an amazing person, very creative, and, and just a good dude who kind of took me under the wing as far as he brought me into the traffic world. He said, why don't you come try to be a traffic reporter? So I went to what, what is now iHeart. They are a hub. They have a, a little you know, a umbrella company that they do traffic reports at. And that's where my second job was. So I was able to just do media and not do media and restaurant. And that's how I got out of the restaurant industry it was I was able to transition and that's all courtesy of scott boylan again rest in peace just a great dude i was horrified when i found out that he he passed away a couple years ago but good dude him in a guy named that goes by the name aaron o'neill on the air both great individuals but anyway that's how i got my 
my start in, in news too. And that's how I officially cut the ties with the restaurant industry was I went into traffic reporting as well as working at the fan. So I'm working midnight to 6 a.m. at the fan and also filling in like 6 to midnight. <laughs> so there are some days I'm working like 12-hour days, hush, hush, don't tell anybody type of thing. And excuse me, so it was like I did whatever I could to stay relevant. But what was interesting is when I started working in the news, it, it made me see things completely different because there's it's a different entity when you talk about the news side of the media. If it bleeds, it leads. And that's a horrifying reality that I was thrown into because being in the sports world, yes, slightly negative conversations will lead the way because, of, uh, you know, like I've told you, fear dominates. Hope is okay. If you can sell fear, you're good. But you can also sell hope. And that's what the news does is they pick a side. What's easier to sell right now? Is it fear or is it hope? And with the news, again, that's what I was, I was thrown into, started doing traffic reports, and everything is is fear. You gotta sell fear. I I told you before. I was reprimanded for not selling fear when I worked on a weekend, and I think I was using my my alias of Paul Jackson. That was my my on air name as a traffic reporter for a couple stations, and I, I remember getting reprimanded because it was icy out. And I got a call from the news director saying, hey, nobody's going to listen if they think everything is okay out there or if they're not going to be running into chaos. You need to sell the fact that it is scary out there. That's what you're supposed to do as a traffic reporter. I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's not that bad out there. There's only a couple accidents. You need to make it seem like it's hell on earth out there. I'm like, I don't agree with that. So the next report I do after getting yelled at, they're like, all right, let's go check in on traffic. Here's Paul Jackson. Paul, it's really scary out there, isn't it? And I'm like, you know what? Not that bad. It's a little icy. Got a couple accidents here or there. But ultimately, guys, just make sure you slow down as you head out onto the roadways. You should be good to go. But there are going to be some icy spots. Then the phone rings afterwards. You cannot do that. Then they didn't do any more traffic reports. They just did them themselves. <laughs> then I got then I got written up for that. <laughs> it's like I'm not going to sell fear when it's not that bad. But that's you guys know that as you watch TV, you see all these stories coming out. Look at COVID. Look at monkeypox. Look at everything. It's very easy to sell fear. Now there are there are truths behind these things. Yes. Some people get horribly sick from these diseases and these infections, but not everybody. So that's where, like, you know, it's easy to sell the fear. It's easier to sell fear than the 100% truth. And I'm not going to go diving deep into these type of conversations because, yes, like I said, I know a lot of people that got horribly sick from COVID. I do. I know some people that say they didn't get horribly sick from COVID, but then when you actually talk to them, they're like, yeah, I was pooping and peeing in a bucket in the basement. Huh? <laughs> like, well, sounds pretty awful to me. But 
but then I also know people that like they they got sniffles. My neighbor, he was out. He had COVID, and he's outside like trimming the bushes and working on his truck and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, don't you have COVID? And he's like, yeah, I just feel just kind of crummy. That's it. Like it just affects people differently. Is it worth the panic? Not as much as we blew it up to be. Okay, that's an unpopular opinion, but. I think in a grand scheme of things, he kind of had, it was something we hadn't seen before and we had to lean on the side of caution. But that being said, we kind of panicked. We hit the panic button and the news media just made things worse. And it's just like, let's capitalize on this fear. You telling me that when stuff like that happens, that as me personally, as somebody that used to work in a newsroom, when I would fill in as a traffic traffic reporter and seeing how the the news producers reacted to negative stories. You're telling me that they weren't just vibrating in their pants when they when they saw this COVID stuff and now monkeypox coming out. They they love this. They do. You know why? Because it's the easy story. It's the easy sell. And kind of going back to when I was a traffic reporter, the easy sell. And one of the big reasons why I left working. Uh, in the traffic industry, when I was thankfully able to leave, was I remember we're in this in this reporting kind of a pit type of thing is what you could call it, where there's a bunch of reporters in there. We all have our own microphones and a computer in front of us. We're all kind of listening to police scanners for accidents and incidents, right? But there's one person that is the producer, and they are entering in the, the incidents and the accidents, whatever, into the computer system so we can all see it, so we can all report on it if, if needed and if desired, depending on where it is, right? So one of the big reasons why I left, and I want to say I left a few days after this or within a week after this. Well, actually, I ended up getting fired from there, <laughs> but it was an accident long and short of it, but, but it was fine. It was all, it was fine. I was happy to leave because we had nothing to report on. So imagine being a traffic reporter and you don't have anything to talk about. So they toss to you. You, you can do this on your own and, and just practice in your head. Be like, okay, you need to fill at least 20 seconds of talking and be relevant and want people to listen to you for 20 seconds but you have nothing to talk about. And it has to be traffic-related, technically, what you end up talking about. So what are you going to say? And it was it's really hard after a while. You're saying the same crap over and over again. That's when, when reporters get really wordy. Well, if you're headed out on the roads this morning as you head into work, expect things to be, you know, slow in their usual spots on southbound I-25, but nothing really too bad as of right now. It's kind of wide open. May find some slowing southbound I-25 as you approach Santa Fe. Eastbound I-70, watch out for that sun glare this morning. Otherwise, things are looking pretty good out there. Guys, back to you. How often can you say that? Like, who wants to listen to that? It's a, it's. It's you're saying nothing, and it was hard. And I remember one day, and this would happen often, but the one day that the straw that broke the camel's back, and I remember it was one of those days we had nothing to talk about. There was, for whatever reason, there was very few accidents, nothing really going on, and there was a motorcycle crash. 
And I want to say it was on I-25, maybe 6th Avenue or something like that. And I remember the call comes in and the producer's excited. Guys, we got one. We've got a motorcycle crash. Southbound I-25 at 6th Avenue, right lane. Boom. Or, you know, the number three lane, because you do one, two, three, left to right. That's the number of the lanes. Whatever lane he said it was. And I remember the room kind of just, yes, we got something. We got something. Now, side note, every person in there that's a traffic reporter are amazing people. I have no bad words to say about the people that I used to work with, like Rick Morgan and and so many other people like Aaron O'Neill, all those great people, Scott Boylan, of course. I have nothing bad to say about them. They were all good people. They just had become numb to the idea of life and death. And they were all excited when a a motorcycle crash happened because here's the, the reality, guys. If there's a motorcycle crash on the interstate or a major highway, guess what? Most likely that person died. And what does that mean for a traffic reporter? Hey, we got something to talk about. And that's what they were excited about. They were excited because they're like, we got a next couple hours at least because the highway is going to be closed for investigation for at least two hours, whether it's closed or at least partially closed. And that's a sad, disgusting thing to live with. And here's the problem. When I first heard the news about the, the, that motorcycle crash, I was excited too and be like, finally, yes, I got something. And then it sunk in. I want to say maybe like five to 10 seconds later. And I'm like, oh my God, this is disgusting. Somebody just died. It was either somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's husband, somebody's wife, somebody's friend. Somebody died. And here we are excited about it. And that was disgusting to me. I'm like, I can't get away from this job soon enough because it was gross. And before that happened, before I was able to leave, there was an incident that when I, uh, because I did end up leaving that company, I should say. Okay, so I left that company with iHeart as a traffic reporter. And then I want to say like a year later, I decided, let's try try traffic reporting again. I saw there was a job with a, a company called Traffic.com, and they were affiliated. They were contracted out by the, the local TV stations, Channel 4 and Channel 9. So I'm like, oh, that'd be great. You know, I'll, I'll be a, a producer, essentially. So I'd just be behind the scenes collecting data. Well, then it came to find out that I had some on-air experience, and they're like, well, maybe you're the fill-in guy for 9 News. And I was the fill-in guy for Graham Nissler, who's a good friend, and he he would be... It would be Amelia Earhart, then Graham would do them at some point, and then if Graham was out sick, I would be the guy that filled in for Graham. And I remember Graham was training me at Nine News, and we're at the the news in the newsroom, and all the people at Nine News are amazing. Whether it's Greg Moss, Gary Shapiro, Kim Christensen, there's so many great people. At Nine News, all the on-air people were amazing, right? I've told you a story when I met Nick Carter, the former weather guy for Nine News at the time. I met him, and I was just like starstruck. 
I, I it was like I met Tom Cruise, <laughs> but it was Nick Carter, and I couldn't say a word. Graham introduces me like, hey, Nick, this is Scott DeHuff. He's filling in for me. I'm training him today. And he was like, hey, how's it going? Super nice dude. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like, oh, my God, I've been watching him my whole life. Anyway, everybody on air at Nine News was great. And a lot of the behind the scenes people, same thing, super nice people. But there was an incident where it reminded me of the if it bleeds, it leads side of news. And how a lot of the people there become numb to it, especially behind the scenes, because the behind the scenes people get the on filter. They get the raw imagery of these uh, of these stories. And then by the time it reaches the air, it's it's trimmed down. So you guys, you the the public don't actually see the the grotesque side of things. So one of the stories was Graham was was training me on how to work the equipment to be a traffic reporter because I had to go in there and, and make maps. You have to make maps uh, so they can use them on air. And, you know, you focus on certain areas and they have little things for the flow of traffic. And you get the camera set up. You're like, I want you guys to go to camera, whatever, and this during my report. And they're like, okay. So you work a lot with the directors. And they're, all the producers, directors were really cool. But this individual uh, calls Graham and I over who was working at the news desk. So he's working at the the news information desk where he basically has some scanners there and he's constantly dealing with live raw, raw feeds from the camera in the helicopter. So there's a helicopter flying up and it has a camera that is on the bottom of it. And what he can do from his little desk is he can move the camera right, left, up, down, zoom in, zoom out. And it's really cool. And it's like extremely high definition, right? So he calls Graham and I over. He's like, guys, you got to check this out. This is so weird. And we're like, oh, cool. What is it? Graham and I, you know, get on one side of this guy and he's like, check this out. What do you think this is? What do you think it is? And he's kind of zoomed out, and it's a bridge, and it's, I believe, 104th. Actually, it was 112th. That's where it was, 112th bridge. And he's like, what is this? What is this? Huh? And we're like, I, I have no idea. Is that a Halloween costume? Because it was, it was in near October. We're like, that's weird. What is it? It's hanging from the bridge. And the guy's like giggling. Okay, didn't really think too much of it. Then the guy, with his controls, zooms in onto the face of this thing that is hanging from the bridge. And what is it? It's a man's face. Somebody killed themselves and hung themselves from a bridge. And this guy thinks it's hilarious. Graham and I look at each other and we, we both say in, in basically essentially like, dude, you're sick. You're, you're messed up. And we were mad. And we ran off and went back to where we were working and we're just like disgusted. It was just like, that's not what you want to see. It was horrifying. Somebody lost their life. And this guy is so numb to working in a newsroom where he's just like, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> kind of funny. Got the new guy to look at a dead body. And I'm like, it was disgusting. It was so disgusting and so jarring to me that I remember I couldn't sleep for almost a week where I would close my eyes and I would see that image in my head and it would, it would just, I just couldn't sleep. It was 
disgusting. It was sad to me. And I remember talking to Graham on numerous occasions after that incident. He would call me. It, it, we would talk. And we we're just like, dude, that, that's horrifying. It was so sad to see that. He's like, yeah. I, he's, I, and he said the same thing. He couldn't sleep either. But that's the news. That's when we see all this stuff on the news when they're just like they're capitalizing on this these this gruesomeness of, of life. They there's people behind the scenes that just get off on that and they love that and they know that that sells. They won't show some stuff like that, but they know that there's a lot of people that would love to see that and they love to sell the fear of whatever's going on. And that's the hard thing about being in the news. Now, again, not everybody in the news is like that. There's a lot of great people. Jim Beneman of, of Channel 7. I, he's on Channel 7. Channel 7, Channel 4. I don't remember. Good guy. Great person. There's a lot of great people. I don't know why I said just his name. But like I said, there's like Greg Moss, Gary Shapiro, all these other great people. And, and a lot of the people are good. But you know that what sells in the media is negativity. And it's really hard to be in that industry. It is, and it's sad. But here's the even more twisted thing to think about. Who are you upset with more? The media for selling it, for selling the fear, and selling the, if it bleeds, it leads information, or should you be more upset with the community that's eating it up, that's consuming it? They're, they're eating that out of their hands. While we get upset at the media, as we should, because they're handing it out, there's people that are buying it, and they're just absorbing it. Now, you could also kind of equate that to, are you mad at the drug dealer, or are you mad at the druggie? I guess you could kind of compare the two things. The media is the drug dealer and they're they're selling it to the druggie, the the community. And if you look at it that way, yeah, you should be more mad at the media for selling the negativity because they understand that we have a hard time as a society looking the other way when you see the grim details of of, of a horrific story. We can't help but not look away. We can't help but not consume what they're putting out there. And it's sad. So, yeah, you can say, well, hey, it's, it's kind of like entertainment news. You just saw that P, uh, Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian broke up. Kanye West is being a jerk about it and being horrible on social media. It, you know, essentially saying that, what did he call it? Keat Davidson or whatever died at age 28, just like a horrible thing that doesn't need to be said. But we all consume it. You know, people will eat that up. People will enjoy it. You might not enjoy watching all that, but there is a giant demographic of people that love it, and they can't get enough of that. And that's sad. But that's what we are, and that's what sells is fear. And we always say, what what else can you sell is hope. Yeah, hope sells as well, but not as much as fear. And that's why you'll see news outlets just leaning towards the fear. 
because it's an easier sell. Whether it's traffic reporting, whether it's news, like just basic political news, everything is fear-based. And it's just like you, you dangle that carrot of fear of what's behind the door. We don't know. What's in the box? What's in the box? Jackson, say what's in the box. That's right, Brad Pitt. It's from a movie you're not old enough to see. My son's listening to this. It's very educational for him. Okay. Anyway, so so that's the thing is is we all can't help it. We, we get drawn into the negativity of the the unknown of what's around the corner. We don't know. You can, like I said, sell hope. Oh, there's going to be a cure for this. There's going to be a cure for that. And uh, things are looking good. But guess what? As much as we we say we would rather hear the positive, the numbers don't lie. The numbers do not lie. When you talk about something that is scary, the numbers go through the roof. Okay? When you start talking about politics and stuff like that, they just, whatever, whatever side you're on, okay, whatever side, and quit being a bunch of jerks about it, just realize, take a step back from whatever side you're on and realize they're all selling the same thing and we're all falling for it. We all fall for, we're going to pit our guy against this guy or vice versa. We all fall for it. You got one side bashing the other and just stripping down the the opponent. And, And the other side does the exact same thing. Politics is more of a popularity contest versus what's good for the nation. We've really fallen away from that. And I don't know how we recover from that. And that is all fueled by the media. Yes, I'm part of the media. Not as solidly as I was when I worked in sports talk radio, but sports talk did the exact same thing. You can't sit there and blow smoke up the Broncos' butt. You can't. Sorry, Jackson. <laughs> so so the, the reason being, you can't just say everything's good with the Broncos. Because guess what? We're all grown-ups that, that love the Broncos. There's a lot of kids that like the Broncos too. But what, what I'm saying is you can't tell me that, like, before Russell Wilson got here and after uh, Peyton Manning left, You can't sit there and blow smoke up my butt and say, the Broncos, listen, they're going to be great. Listen, they've only lost, you know, you know, say five in a row or whatever. Everything's going to be fine, guys. They just need to regroup and they'll be good. You can't tell me that as a Bronco fan. I'm too smart for that. I believe I'm too smart for that. Okay. So you have to, as a, a news outlet, you have to lean on to the negative and just you have to call out what's wrong, what's negative, because that's what people are thinking anyway. And then you just expand on that and really cause the fear of what's going on. I remember sitting in plenty of meetings, be like, okay, guys, you're you're being too nice. We are fear-driven. Whether we like it or not, you need to cause the fear. You got a, the fear of missing out. You got FOMO. So people need to fear that if they don't tune in, they're going to miss something, and you also got to create fear of or around the subject. And it's disgusting, and they all do it, right? Speaking of that, what, what should I do for my uh, headline on this, this, this 
episode. It should be like, if you don't listen to this, your head's going to fall off. <laughs> You're going to lose all your hair. Something like that. Uh, something, you know, but that that's, but that's what, look at clickbait. We all get mad about clickbait. Clickbait is the same thing. You read a headline to a story and you're like, all that's doing is trying to make you fear not clicking through. I need to click through to get that information. What's the best way to do that? Well, it needs to be something that really drags you in. Oh, crap. What's happening? 97% of the people that listen to the Huff Uncensored, they have a, a high sex drive. Those 3%, you don't want to be the 3% that doesn't. Sorry, Jackson. I'll tell you when you're older. But you know what I'm saying. So it's just like they you always try to get people to listen, get people to watch out of fear. And it's it's mind-blowing how we do that as a society and how we all fall for it. Articles are the same way. Although I've told you guys before, I'm notorious for being a headline reader and not necessarily going through the article. Although now that I'm doing the podcast, I'll read more articles. And that's where I do find that a lot of the times that it's it's you get the clickbait going on. And you're like, dude, that's not even like they'll they'll have some catchy headline and you're like, oh, that sounds like a crazy story. Then you read it and you're like, oh, my God, no, that's not worth it at all. And sometimes my wife will send me stories and she's she's like, this looks interesting. I was like, did you what's it about? She's like, I don't know. I didn't read it. Then I read it, and, and a lot of times they are good, but there's a lot of times you're like, okay, it's a little misleading on the headlines. And I don't have anything good to, to throw out your way because I try to just purge those as they come into my brain because it's just a waste. But that that's how they get you. That's Look at any website that writes articles, whether it's uh, milehighsports.com or denverfan.com or CNN, or MSNBC, all any website, the headline is meant to drag you into the article. That's how it works. Jackson, you watch YouTube. If it has a bad headline or it doesn't really tell you what's fun or interesting that goes on into the episode, are you going to click on it? No, but it's the same concept, though. It's the headline of the video be like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to click on it. If it sounds stupid, it'd be like, if it just said episode 147, <laughs> things get weird. Then, like, you know, you are you might not click on it. But if it says something like Mr. Beast goes insane or, you know, Mr. Beast crosses a line or something like that, you're like, Mr. Beast almost gets arrested, even though he might not. But that's 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 what I'm saying is like we we all fall into it. But we as any anybody that is doing anything like with social media or the news, uh, you know, whether it's TV, radio, podcasts, we all do it. We're all guilty of it. Some more than others. It kind of goes back to my days in, in traffic really kind of opened my eyes to what the media is. And it's crazy how when I was doing traffic reporting to where we are now, how I saw that light back then and didn't really fully compute of 
the the level, the magnitude that that it is, as far as the media and how it thrives on fear and scaring the shit out of the listeners and the viewers. I didn't realize it back then. And then as as time has gone on and the more I've been in the media and the more I see and the more you see, we can all agree the media is a nasty element. And if somehow we could start fading away from that, I always remember when I worked in a restaurant and my brother taught me this. Again, one of the best managers I ever worked with was my brother, Uncle Chris. Yeah, he works at Gringo's. Mexican Cantina in Putney, right around Sydney, Australia. Go out there. Let me know how it is. I can't go out there because I just don't have the money to fly out there. But I hear it's amazing. I read all the reviews. Great place. Again, Gringo's in Putney. It's a Mexican Cantina. Apparently, will just blow your mind of how good it is. But I remember my brother. Again, an amazing manager who educated himself and wanted to be the best he could. So he, he took classes on how to be a better manager. He observed and learned from great managers around him. He learned from the bad managers around him, as you should too. Okay, you learn from the good, you learn from the bad. What he would always tell me is sometimes you got to train the customers. Who's consuming your product? Whether it's, you know, listeners, viewers, or in his sense, people that are consuming his food. So what do you do to train your customers? Well, they're conditioned to do things one way, and that's the way they've always been. But over time, if you gently change their experience, they will eventually be trained to do things differently. And there would be times where Okay, they're used to coming in and, you know, say starting the burrito and by doing this or that. And you can you can train them to do different things, things differently. And I'm awful at remembering a good example. I am. I'm sorry. My, I, I, I know that that's what we used to do all the time. You got to retrain the customer. Okay, they would always ask for this. Well, how can you train them to do it differently? Okay, they, they always say, Hey, can I get a, a burrito? And then, so what you would say is you would say the same thing over and over again, especially if they were a repeat customer. Be like, okay, do you do you want that on? Do you want that with white rice or brown rice? So eventually, what happens is you're training the customer. So eventually, what happens is they come in, and since you say these these same things over and over again, you're training them without them knowing it, that they come in and they're like, okay, can I get a steak burrito with brown rice? So they just eliminated something that the, the employee has to ask. And they're right. So you've trained them to do that. You've also trained them that once it gets slid over down to the salsa section, because they've been in there so many times that they're like, the employee doesn't have to say what kind of salsa they can just say, all right, uh, I will have the pico de gallo. And can I also get a little bit of the corn salsa, sour cream, cheese, and lettuce? Thanks. And so now the employee doesn't have to do anything other than listen. And it makes it easier for everybody. It makes the line go faster. It makes the employees more efficient. And they're listening. 
and it's great. And now the customer is in complete control of their their menu and it just or or their food and it makes it easier. So why can't we do that with the news in a sense where we're like we're constantly adding more and more positive stories to the news cycle and slowly subtracting the focus on the negative news stories and slow. You can't do it just all of a sudden abruptly because that's just going to fuck people up. And maybe my restaurant comparison isn't a great example, but the idea is still the same. You sit there and you, you can't just abruptly switch the roles and go, we're going to focus more on the positive and then less on the negative. You still have to have the negative out there because that's part of life. But if you sit there and you go, okay, things are horrible in Russia, in the Ukraine, gas prices are kind of going down, but we kind of expected that anyway. You know, you spend like, uh, you, you slowly change the percentages. If you look at a newscast, it's probably like 90% negativity. And that includes weather. Right. Because sometimes you look at weather as a negativity, but I, I feel like the, that kind of it's its own category. So we'll subtract 10 percent from that because I think weather kind of has to be because that's what that's real life. And that is very important because it affects lives. But if you say 80 percent of the newscast is is negativity, can we slowly change that and slowly chip away at it and drop it down to 70 percent negativity? Can we do that? Can we chip it away? And again, it goes down to 65, to 60, et cetera. And before you know it, we have more positive news going out there. And it's not depressing the consumers and dragging people down. How many people do you talk to that they listen to the news and they're like, fuck, my life sucks. Did you see this? Right prices are going up. Oh, man, it's going to be hot the next week. going to have thunderstorms. We may all die from monkeypox and COVID. I don't know. People don't want to leave their houses. They don't want to leave because the news is so negative. It just keeps them inside. And that's hard. And I know a lot of people that way. And in all honesty, it's kind of hard not to blame them. It's one of those things. My wife and I were sitting on the front porch the other day, and it was raining. Out. It was a nice, nice, gentle rain, just consistent flow. And she's like, I think we need to have more days where you and I and the kids were just not on devices. No phones, no tablets, stuff like that. Because it just, it drains us. Everything is negative. When I'm looking at my phone, looking for stories, there's a lot of negative stuff that I have to sift through and, and try to push away. And I know this episode isn't necessarily a funny episode like I, I normally try to do, but it is something that's been kind of weighing on my mind. We need to do more of a cleanse on the negativity. And a lot of that starts with the media. It, it starts with us putting our phones down with the exception of listening to the DeHuff Uncensored podcast, because that just makes sense. You have to do that. I'm uplifting. I raise all boats. <laughs> but anyway, so what I'm saying is, I think we all, and I'm not saying I'm better than you, because I'm saying I need to do it too. 
we need to step aside from the negativity at least one day a week. While I propose that idea with the news and them slowly chipping away at the negativity, we all know that's a great dream, but it's not going to fucking happen. It's not. Because what did I say at the beginning? Fear sells. And why would any company try to take away their sales? They're not. They don't want to do that. They want to keep making money, right? Because they're greedy bastards. And they're not going to go away with what works. Why would you veer away? If you're a restaurant and if everybody's buying steak, why would you really try to not put in much as much steak on the, on the menu? Why would you just all of a sudden get rid of steak and be like, guys, we're selling pork chops. Okay, pork chops are good. Not as good as steak, right? It is. The way I make pork chops, I put that ranch uh, seasoning on it. Mix it with some mix it with some oil and marinate it for like 30 minutes and slap it on the grill. You're welcome in advance. Oh, I'm not putting bacon on that. Okay, now you're talking about something else. Anyway, but see, why would a restaurant do that? Why would they take away the steak and just replace it with a bunch of vegetables? They wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. And that's why the news will never change. They won't because they're going with what sells. And it's sad, it's disgusting, but I think what we can do to combat that, because it is depressing, it is hard to deal with, we need to just start putting down our devices at least once a week. You have a day off, maybe start with an hour or two. And I know some people are really good about it. I always give Mike Evans grief, Mike Evans over at 104.3 The Fan. He's probably one of the best people that I know at walking away from devices. You could text him, hey, Mike, it's an emergency. I need, you, I need you to respond to this as soon as possible. Or you call him and he doesn't answer. He'll respond back like six hours later. He's like, hey, what's up? Now, that being said, tables are turned. And if he texts you, hey, call me back. And it doesn't say, have to say ASAP. He'll just be like, hey, call me back. And then like 20 minutes later, he'll just respond back with, hello? <laughs> like he, he gets all mad. But he's really good at walking away from technology. We need to do a better job of that. It's really dragging down society. It's dragging down our children. You know, watching YouTube nonstop, it's bad for us. While a lot of the YouTube channels that the kids watch are quote-unquote somewhat happy, there are a lot of negative-driven topics in there that are kind of layered, and you don't realize what those are until you watch it, and you're like, okay, guys, they're throwing around money like it's, like it's free, and it really gives you a false idea of what uh, of finances are, and that kind of does, or uh, their, their d- destruction of property is a lot of things, and they make it seem fun in these videos, but you're destroying property, you're destroying uh, just things. And it's just like, it, it, it's more negative than it should be. So it would benefit us all to walk away a couple hours, especially us adults on our phones and teenagers on our phones. Just walk away from your phone, put it away for an hour to start with, okay? And then see how long you can go without checking it. See how long. 
maybe you just turn the ringer on. So if somebody needs to call you, they can call you. If it's important enough, they will call you. If it's a text, it's not that important. If it's important, people will call you. So just turn your ringer on as my son goes and grabs his tablet. What the hell? Are you not listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to be better at it. But I suck at it. And tell me, let me know, dehuffuncensored at gmail.com, how you deal with this. Because I find it interesting. And, and I struggle with it on a daily basis. I can maybe put my phone away for like an hour and I'll feel good like I did something great after I grab it. But that whole hour, I'm just like, ooh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? And then, you know, it's kind of a hell hellish hour. But once I get it, then the next thing you know, I'm consumed by it for the next 12 hours. So if you're able to do it or if you have a secret to success on this, let me know. DeHuffOnCensored at gmail.com. It, it's fascinating. I think we all can be better at it. But also, real quick, when you're watching the news, whether it's the whether it's Sports Center, whether it's local, national news, any kind of news, just watch it. Traffic. Watch it all. You're gonna realize what leads. What leads? whatever bleeds and it's sad but that's what the the world we live in hey guys thank you so much for popping on the podcast i really appreciate it i know i kind of went on a rant with this one and i hey it is what it is it was neat to have my son sitting right next to me chiming in he's now damaged from listening to the podcast i didn't say very many bad words in this episode so you're welcome I, I, guys, I started the podcast while he was still asleep (laughs) and I'm like, you need to get used to it, kid. I'm already used to it. Well, you got school starting up soon, so you need to wake up sooner. Okay. Okay. That them's the breaks, kid. Them's the breaks. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, thank you so much to Superbook Sports, Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton. And, of course, the great people over at Blake Street Tavern. Thank you guys so much. Let's keep moving forward. Let's try try our best to put down the devices. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But watch out for the media, man. We, we all do the same thing. Negativity sells. And it's gross. And I, I do it, too. I got to come up with a really negative headline to see if I can get people to listen more. <laughs> Everything's going to be negative, even if it's positive. It's really like... Right. Your penis is going to fall off if you don't listen. Anyway, it's the Huff Uncensored. Don't scratch that from your brain. All right, it's the Huff Uncensored. I'll talk to you next time.